Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. For those of you listening in for the first time, welcome, welcome. We're on episode number 50 this week, my friends, episode number 50. I do one episode a week, which means that in two weeks from now, I will have done this every week for an entire year, and I'm so excited about that, so thrilled. I've got something special coming for you all for episode number 52, but for today, for episode number 50, I also wanted to bring you guys a special treat, both in the topic we're going to discuss, and I have a special guest coming on today. So the topic for today, we're talking about life purpose versus passion. And life purpose is, you know, the essence of what I I teach as a coach, the essence of what many people that are life coaches teach. And so I thought this would be a great topic to address for episode number 50. And I wanted to do it in a conversation style versus me just talking to you guys about the topic. So I decided to bring a guest back this week. His name is Mike Iamelli. He's been on the podcast twice before, so if you haven't listened in to the previous episodes where he was on, I suggest going back and listening. He's always so much fun to listen to, has some great insight. He has an interesting perspective on life purpose versus passion, and I 1000% resonate and agree with his perspective, so I wanted to bring him on today to talk with him about life purpose and have you all listen into the conversation. So, Mike Iamelli is joining me today. Um, I hope you all enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Connect Your Health to Life Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Lusk. I'm a master certified self-image coach and empowered health coach with a decade-long background working in the health and wellness industry. If you're anything like me or the clients that I work with, then you're probably struggling with body image, self-image, or confidence issues. You're probably also trying to figure out why it is that you have these amazing desires for living your healthiest and most fulfilling life, but you can't seem to create consistent actions in your life to reflect those desires. So join me as we dive in deep on what it means to live a fulfilled and authentic life. We're going to look from the perspective of an empowered mindset and uncover reasons why you might be what's holding yourself back from living your most fulfilling life. I'm going to break through some of the biggest illusions and myths that we've all been taught to believe along the way, and I'm so excited to have you with me on this journey. So my only question for you is, are you ready to start living your most authentic and fulfilling life once and for all? Then let's get started, shall we? All right, everyone. I've got Mike Iamelli here again for the third time on the podcast. Thank you, Mike, for coming back to talk with us again for a third time. I know you're leaving for vacation tomorrow, so thank you for squeezing me in at the last minute and my uh, my disorganized chaos here. So say hi to everyone, Mike. Maybe reintroduce yourself since some of the people listening in today might not have heard the other two episodes with you. Tell us a little bit about you, what you do, and then we'll jump into the topic. Sure. Well, thank you, Seth. It's always an honor to be here. I mean, third time back, clearly I like it here. Um, you know, what I do for work, so I'm Mike Iamelli, and what I do for work is I help people to map their sensitivities, their lived experiences, and figure out what they subconsciously do every time they're successful. You know, why they're passionate about certain things, why they work, some things work out for them and others don't, and underlying all of that, really what their purpose is. And so I have a very different view of purpose than you may have heard before, and we're going to dive into it today. And if you are a person who has followed your passions before and they haven't worked out and you think, crap, I don't know what's wrong with me, I cannot find my purpose, this conversation is going to be for you. 
Awesome. Yeah. So Mike, Mike already kind of alluded to what we're talking about today. So I, I wanted him on because I talk with you all a lot about understanding what it is that is important to us, what it is that really drives us internally, um, who we are on the inside and what we value in life and how we want to use this to then create our authentic life and move about uh, in our in our life and how we want to show up. So Mike the other week was was doing some content where he was talking about the difference between passion and purpose. And what he had to say was really powerful. Um, I over 1000% agree with what he was saying, and I don't think I could say it any more eloquently. So I asked Mike to come on the podcast and talk to you all today about the difference between passion and purpose and why following our purpose is going to serve us in our mission in life over following our passion. So Mike, I want to start off by asking you, if you had to and say one or two sentences, define the word purpose. How would you define it? Yeah, for me, purpose is the reason. It's the why. It's the underlying motivation. It's what's driving us towards something. Whether that's, you know, what's driving us toward taking a certain action or having a certain thought or even a self-sabotaging behavior, right? You know, every behavior that we have, it's kind of what's going on here? What are we ultimately trying to fulfill? And for me, that purpose comes down to some core sensitivity, some way of experiencing the world that is unique to us, some desire and need that we're trying to fulfill. And so our purpose is really what that word means. When I want to know the purpose of something, I want to know the why behind it or the reason behind it. Yes, absolutely. The why is, is we always come back to this question. It's like literally mm-hmm. the most powerful word slash question in the English language. I, I would even say in pretty much every language, they use different words, but this word is a powerful question in, in so many different ways. Um, I also heard it worded um, in a slightly different way in a book that my husband was reading recently. And I thought this was really a powerful way to look at it too. When we're talking about purpose, when we use the question why, We can look at it from a past sense, like our past selves, what we've experienced and what we're, we we can call it like what we're sensitive to in life. But then we can also, and you kind of alluded to this, look at it as the what for when we look into the Mm -hmm. future, like what we're looking to create and draw ourselves towards it. So how does this, this definition of purpose and the why, the what for, how does this show up when we look at it as our life purpose? How does, how does one establish that? So, so often when we talk about life purpose, we have this very, very limited range in how we talk about it. So when people talk about their life purpose, I'm going to say over 75% of the time, they're talking about a job, right? So we often mean it related to a job, a way to make money, or a way to contribute. So how we're sharing. We very rarely talk at all about trauma, about sexuality, about receiving. I mean, there's a whole gamut of life we don't talk about. And if we aren't talking about our job, we're probably talking about relationships. So that's the other 25%, right? People want their purpose, either a job they love or a relationship. And so there's a lot more purpose to life than those two small facets of our life, right? I have a purpose in being on this podcast right now and how I got dressed in the morning and going on vacation tomorrow in the words I'm going to use, my intonation, my energy, my everything I do has purpose. And so I look at purpose not just as this one thing I can achieve, because if I can achieve a job, that means I can fail it. 
And how the hell do I fail my purpose? That doesn't make sense. And it also implies I didn't have it at a certain point. Like, did I not have a purpose as a baby? That doesn't make sense either. Of course I did. We had sensitivities. We had ways of experiencing and relating to the world. Every dollar I've ever spent in my life is to feel free or successful or vulnerable or unmistakable or aligned or zany, right? Every dollar I've ever spent, every action I've ever taken is I've wanted to experience and feel these things. There's a deeper why. And that can change. I'll tell you right now what made me feel vulnerable 10 years ago very different than what it means today, probably very different in another 10 years. That's called growth, right? My consciousness is growing and expanding, but it's happening along these senses or these ways of experiencing the world. Yeah, absolutely. You said something really powerful there where you talked, you know, about growth and how, um, you know, your your purpose kind of evolves. uh, Well, your understanding of your purpose evolves as you grow. Mm -hmm. And I feel like for a lot of people, especially the clients that I work with, it's like they see where they are right now and they see the things that they're wanting to accomplish right now. And they look back on their life and they look at the things that they did and they, they put it up against what they're trying to accomplish right now in life. And then they judge those past actions as being so mm-hmm. stupid, so purposeless, because why, the, why was I doing that when this is, you know, what I'm trying to accomplish? And I would like to hear what you have to say about that. I have my own thoughts about it, but I don't know what to say about this. For sure. You know, I think that we confuse these concepts of container and purpose. And I use this analogy a lot because it's so helpful for me. So I am always drinking a mason jar of water. The reason being is I drink lots of water and I'm incredibly, incredibly lazy. I do not want to get up all day and fill up my water. I'd rather have it right next to me. But if I went over to your house and you gave me a little cup of water, I'd drink out of it because I want the water. It's okay that it's a smaller cup. If you gave me a big mason jar but you filled it with soda, which I don't really drink, I probably wouldn't drink out of it because I want that water. Now, our entire lives, we are pouring water from one cup to the next. That's our entire lives, right? We are the water. We are the essence. Everything we do is trying to get to that water. But we need a container to get it. Like, I might have to cup my hands to get water, but I've got to get some container to bring it into me. And that's all of our lives. Now, most of us, when we're judging, when we're looking back in the past and judging, what we're really judging is the container, not the essence. But we don't always understand the distinction. So we do the best we can, right? If I don't have a big mason jar, I will cut my hands and get the water in. It's not the most effective. Some spills out, but at least I can get the water in. And as a child or earlier in life, when I don't have the best tools in the world or I don't know how to build bigger containers, I'll take the fastest container I can get. Yes, there might be drawbacks. You know, I had a client recently. I'll give you an example. Um, This was a few years ago. She was struggling with alcoholism. And she couldn't figure out what was going on and why. And she had so much shame. And she would look back and judge herself. Why were all these moments where she was struggling? And then we mapped her sensitivities. And one of the things we found that she was sensitive to is enchanted. And as a little girl, she remembered feeling enchanted, you know, making fairy crowns and gardens and playing. And then she grew up and she learned from her family it wasn't appropriate to play with fairies as an adult. And it was at this moment she realized the only container, the only strategy she knew as an adult to feel enchanted was getting drunk. It was the only time she ever felt enchanted. Now, the desire and the need was not wrong. 
right? There was a clear purpose behind this. The strategy may not have been benefiting her, but it was the only one that she knew. And what I'll tell you right now, especially when it comes to compulsions, when it comes to those things that we think are bad for us, but we just can't stop ourselves, there is a reason, there is a purpose that you are doing that. I can't judge if the strategy is good or bad. And as we grow and evolve our consciousness, we're going to find more drawbacks to some strategies and release them and move on to new ones. That's just what growth is. But the underlying purpose is always the same. You were never wrong. You were never broken. And the reason that you've been compelled or drawn to something is to fulfill a purpose, fulfill that emotional need. And so I always say to people, you know, our consciousness is growing. It's expanding. We're finding better strategies all the time. This morning, maybe, right? I realized, oh, that's a faster way of doing something. And I released what I did before. Would it be wise to judge myself for what I used to do before? Not really. It was the best strategy I knew at the time. And I learned and evolved and I found a new one. But I was astute from the get-go. The underlying purpose was always the same. And I was always trying to fulfill it. Mm. Yes, absolutely. So I I assume that that we are very similar in our belief here at the fact that... um, everyone is always doing the best that they know how to do at every point in Mm -hmm. time in life. And while the strategies can, you know, come across to other people as maybe not being the most effective strategy, this is, as, as you said, a container. It's one way that this person is trying to accomplish a purpose in their life. And this is the best way in that moment that they know how to accomplish that purpose, whether that be alcohol or, And that's the thing is I am not here to sit around and judge anybody's way of being, including my previous self, right? I had a client just yesterday who is struggling with porn addiction. And he said, you know, I've just got to get rid of porn. And I said, I'm going to pause you for a moment. I have no judgment whether it's good or bad. That's up to you. But I will not let you get rid of any coping mechanism unless we have an adequate replacement to meet the underlying need. So let's figure out why you're doing this and let's find something that's going to help. And here's the thing. When we have better strategies, the old ones fall away because there were some drawbacks to them. And when we have something that feels better, we're like, oh, we don't need that. This is a better solution to it. But it's for that same underlying need. So I'm not here to judge anyone or tell them their strategies are right or wrong. I have no idea. I'm not living your life. But my job and what I get paid to do is to tell people why they are doing certain things and then help them find the best strategy for them. Hmm. And the why is the purpose. The why is And the, the why purpose. is the purpose. Yes. Yeah. All right. So let's let's talk a little bit about let's talk about passion. What I think passion is one of these words that's kind of thrown around quite often. And when words get thrown around quite often, they can kind of have a lot of different meanings to people and that can get a bit confusing. And we live in a world where it's, you know, people talk all the time, like you said, about follow your passion. You know, Mm -hmm. what are you passionate about? Do more of that. So what do you see uh, when, when someone talks about what they're passionate about? What is a passion? What is, what is that there for? And what is that? So, you know, you're asking me a tough question here because I have my own, maybe own definition of passion, which I begin to remove that word and just go straight to purpose because that's more interesting for me. But when I hear passion out there, a lot of times what people are talking about is desires. They're talking about things you have an affinity for, things you're you know, lit up by and you're excited by. And those are beautiful things. We want to all claim our desires and all claim our passions. But here's the challenge. Passions are fleeting, meaning they change over time, right? 
I am passionate about one topic and then the next week I'm passionate about a different topic. I might be passionate about having this conversation and in a few hours I'm going to be passionate about eating lunch. That is always fleeting and changing and passions also heavily conditioned, right? So who isn't passionate about, I don't know, helping people and making a difference in the world? Those are beautiful things, but that doesn't give us more clarity of why are we passionate about that or what's really going on. So I want to give you an example that I think might help everybody here because we've all been told to follow our passions and I can guarantee most of us, myself included, have followed our passions, things didn't work out, and we told ourselves something is wrong with us, we don't know, you know, we'll never find our purpose. And those words purpose and passion get so intertwined. So I want to give you an example. Let's pretend that, similar to some of my story, let's pretend that you got really sick one day. You had all of these digestive issues and you were you know, really, really sick. You couldn't figure out what was wrong with you. You went to different doctors. Nobody knew what was wrong with you. So you started researching nutrition to learn some new things and you learned all of this stuff. And this is exciting. You got really passionate. Like, oh my God, I'm learning things and I'm changing my diet and I'm starting to feel better. And so then friends and family just kind of ad hoc, spontaneously hear about the changes you've made. They tell you their health issues and you give them advice and they start getting better. And now you're like, holy shit, I finally figured out this is my passion. I'm meant to be a health coach. I am meant to help all of these people make a huge difference in their life. I feel like you're talking so, about me right now. <laughs> well, uh, how many of us relate to this, right? So we're super excited about this and we go to health coaching school and it's going to be thousands of dollars and it's going to be years of your life but it doesn't matter. You followed your passions, you know your purpose. It doesn't matter what it costs, you're gonna go do it. You're gonna make a difference. So you go through, you make these sacrifices, you graduate, you start coaching people, and you don't necessarily love it. You're not making a lot of money, and now you're like, what the hell? I followed my passions, right? This was supposed to be the magic formula. Why didn't this work? Am I a screw up? And most of us think, yes, I'm a screw up. But I wanna give you a different scenario. I want to imagine that before you decide to go to health coaching school and pay the thousands of dollars, you decide to map your sensitivities and figure out the why in your life. Why are you successful here but not here? Why are you passionate about this but not this? And you map that you are sensitive to, let's say, things like curious, healthy, spontaneous, intimate, vulnerable. Let's just pretend. Okay. Why then were you so passionate about helping friends and family with their health issues? Well, that's pretty obvious. You were spontaneously supporting those you were intimate with, helping them to experiment with their vulnerabilities and get healthy. Pretty obvious what's going on there. The second that you started working professionally, maybe we take out the spontaneity. Maybe we take out the intimacy because you aren't you know, close with these people. Maybe the experimentation is gone because you're following meal plans. And all of a sudden, it's not quite as good of a container. Now, remember what we said about containers before. A job is just a container. It's a way to express or get to a purpose. If we follow those passions, it's great, but it never tells us why we were passionate in the first place, right? And when, this, when we're not making the money or we don't like working with these clients, that passion starts to fade. But if we understand why, if we understand the purpose behind the passion, now we have way more power because we understand as this passion evolves and changes, what's really going on there and we're empowered to know who we are. And that's really how I see the difference. Awesome. I really feel like you were just like reading a part of my autobiography to me when you 
<laughs> you were giving the story example. No, seriously, because, and I, I've never talked to you about this before, so it's kind of ironic. So I, um, you know, I, I started off my career as a personal trainer and nutrition specialist. Before that, I studied psychology in school. Um, I always knew that the purpose was that I wanted to help people not suffer in the way that I had suffered. And um, so I've, I've been in many containers doing this. And one of the containers that I had at one point in time was that I was going through some serious health issues as well. And I decided to completely like do a 180 with my diet and, and the way that I was eating. I started eating with what people would call ketogenic. I don't really like using that label. I like to say I, I, I eat high healthy fat and low carbohydrate. And um, so I started doing this. And I saw huge, huge changes in my health. I mean, like massive changes in my health. And then of course, everyone wanted help with that. And so I started mm -hmm. helping people with this because I was like, I love helping people. I want to help people suffer less than me. But um, it wasn't the kind of work that I wanted to do because the other part of it was that I wanted people, my purpose was to help people feel empowered. And when people restrict themselves into this container of a diet because I need to lose weight in order for me to love myself and blah, 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 people don't feel empowered anymore. Mm -hmm. So I was not satisfied with coaching people as a ketogenic coach because I was like, this is, this is not empowering you right now. And that's not what I'm here for. So still to this day, I, I help people that, that genuinely want to move into eating a high healthy fat, low carbohydrate diet, but only if we first work on empowering ourselves first and using this in a way that empowers them to feel good about themselves through their journey. Not once I get to this weight, then I'll be happy with myself. So I just thought it was really funny when you were giving this example, I was like, did I tell him this story before? Cause this is literally what happened to me here. <laughs> well, I, I love your story. Thank you for sharing it. And I love that you came to the understanding through this maybe not perfect fit container that you are sensitive to empowered and you need people to feel empowered. That's why these containers are there in the first place. And so because of that, you can shape a better container or you can put conditions on that ketogenic coaching container so that you make sure you fulfill that underlying purpose. And that's really the thing is passions never tell us the purpose. They don't explain us the why behind it. They can give us an example of a container that works and that's exciting so follow your passion is only half the story but you've got to find out what's the water inside we're not talking about the container what's the water inside and the water inside is purpose so if we wanted to break this down using my analogy passion is the container but purpose is the water inside and that's what we're looking for absolutely absolutely so other than other than obviously by by hiring you um, to, to help a person figure out what it is that they're sensitive to and their purpose. What are some steps that people can maybe start taking if there's someone that's say been following passions their entire life mm -hmm. and they yeah. want to start trying to understand, well, then what is my purpose behind all of this? How does someone begin to look into that? There's a lot of really fun, simple ways to look. And I can't remember stuff because I've never been on here a few times if I've ever done a live mapping with you. But if I haven't, I'm happy that we have done one. Okay, so watch a previous episode to see that. And then I'll just give people some advice. And if you ever want to go to my website at mikeimelli.com slash map, M-A-P, you can download a free worksheet and that's going to help you to answer some of these questions. But right here, right now, I want everyone to just start thinking about containers in your life, ones that felt really good 
and ones that maybe didn't feel so good. And ask yourself why. What do you think you were trying to achieve there that either wasn't able to be achieved or that was able to be achieved? What was going on? You can start to ask yourself, you know, go back to three jobs you've had in the past and ask yourself, what were you trying to make people feel? What were you trying to give people in each of those jobs? What emotion did you want them to feel safe, empowered, free? You can go to your happiest moments in life and ask, what did you feel then? Go to your unhappiest moments. What did you feel then and what did you want to feel? What all of these things are doing, it's like we're taking that big cup and we're looking inside and seeing what's the water. What did we want people to feel? Why did this work out? Why didn't it? And you might have a huge list of words. And if you want a really formal structure, do go to my website and get that worksheet. But you might have a huge list of words. What I want you to do is just start noticing patterns. That's why I call it mapping sensitivities. We're just mapping them and building a map. I want you to start to look at some patterns in your life of what are you always driven toward? What are you always trying to do? What makes you feel happy and satisfied? What's behind all the passions you have? Because we're going to quickly find the same themes come up again and again. Yes. I have, I have a question for you. This is Shoot, anything. It's going gonna, it's gonna to seem slightly off topic, but I, I think it's really not. So you mentioned in there, and, and we've talked about this before, that it's all about what you feel when you're most successful and also what you want to help other people feel. Mm-hmm. And one of the trends that I've, I've noticed as, as the, the type of coach that I am and the work that I do with people, I call it emotional constipation. Mm-hmm. It's like we live in a society now that does not prioritize emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. And therefore, a lot of people are almost constipated to knowing what it is that they're feeling or even feeling what it is that they're feeling. And mm-hmm. so what I, what I want to know is, have you encountered in your work with people um, some blocks in being able to help people find their purpose because they were unable to express or know their emotions? Great question. So a short answer, no. Longer answer is I have two and a half hours with people when I get to work with them one-on-one. And, you know, the thing is it's in there, Right. I don't care. For some people, I'm going to ask them, you know, tell me some jobs that you've had and things you want people to feel. And off the bat, they're going to name them. For some people, I'm going to realize very, very quickly, we're going to just start talking about trauma and hearing stories. And in that, I'm going to notice emotional patterns that are coming up because not all of us are readily available to look at, you know, these were jobs. This is who I am. I've done tons of self-work. I can get myself. Some of us are going to say like, you know, I grew up feeling misunderstood. Okay, understood something you're sensitive to. And this is the cool thing about sensitivities for everybody watching here is and listening here is that we're sensitive to more than just what we want to make people feel. We're sensitive to what we feel, to our trauma, to our desires, our sexual urges, everything in life. And that means we can start literally anywhere. So if you are doing one of these worksheets or you're listening to my advice and you're saying, oh, that guy Mike sucks. I don't know. I'm emotionally constipated here. Don't worry about it. Start with something that's emotionally strong. Strong emotions mean strong energetics, strong sensitivities. And that could be positive, negative, indifferent. It doesn't really matter. When we feel something strongly, that's telling us that there's a lot of us in there. So if you have a moment in life that felt you know, challenging but not re-traumatizing to think about, we don't want to re-traumatize you, but a challenging moment that's not re-traumatizing, 
sit with it and ask yourself, what did I feel there? What was so bad? Or why during that breakup did it just feel so painful? I felt invalidated. I felt misunderstood. I felt disconnected. And what do I wish I felt there? Maybe you wish you felt validated and understood and connected. And now we're going to take it that one step further and say, hmm, I knew I wanted to feel this. Did I ever want to help other people feel it? Because I know how bad it is to feel you know, misunderstood. Did I ever want other people to feel understood? Chances are we're going to start to see a pattern showing up there. And so if you are feeling emotionally constipated, start with any experience. And if the only ones you have access to are really challenging moments in life, that's beautiful. Start there. Yes, absolutely. Um, another question that came up right there while you were talking is, um, you know, when you have people addressing challenging emotions, as you call them challenging, um, a lot of people might call them negative emotions. So this is, again, something that, that I've seen happen quite a bit. And I'm curious how you approach this or, or maybe some insight, wisdom, advice to give people when they are coming to these places in their self-work where strong emotions come up that are maybe challenging or, or feel negative for them. I find a lot of people will almost try and um, censor their emotions mm -hmm. in these situations mm -hmm. based on what they know now. And they won't allow themselves to fully see what it is that they experienced at the time. When, when mm -hmm. we're talking about, say, a particular event in which knowing these emotions would allow the person to see this, this was showing you this is your purpose in life. Mm -hmm. So what do you do when you encounter this with someone? What, what's your advice? Here? So we talk about mapping sensitivities because it really is mapping patterns. And that means that, you know, a lot of times someone will talk about something. And I might feel there's a deeper emotion there. They're not ready to go there. That's okay. Even if I'm going to ask them a little bit more, they still can't go there. I'm going to then look for resonance of the deeper pattern somewhere else. And that's why I tell everybody here, you know, start with these challenging emotions, but then also look at what you want other people to feel. Look at your happy emotions and look at the patterns between them. Because sometimes we may just not be able to get there, right? We may not be able to look at the challenging stuff and go too deep in it. That's okay. Push yourself to where you hit your wall and then approach it from a different angle. And what we're doing is literally building a map here. We're going to, it's kind of triangulating something, right? We can't get to there. So we're going to go at it from a few different angles and we're going to see the map. And that's what's really important about our sensitivities is we've had these since we were children. So I always say to people, don't go into something re-traumatizing, but God knows we have enough challenging moments in our lives. We can find a different challenging moment. It might be when we were a child. It might be, you know, with a friend who we feel safe with. And so we can kind of look at that and start to say, okay, if I were talking to my therapist or my friend, what might I say about this? Or how did I describe that fight to them? And that might help us get there. So don't be afraid to look at it from a few different angles because I know that it can be really hard. And, you know, we don't have all the answers today. And the other thing I want to say, this is a little off topic, but I think we're ready to go here right now is once we actually begin to map our sensitivities, we can start to predict where we get emotionally constipated, or another way to say that is where we have resistance. Mm -hmm. And this is where things get really, really fun. So anytime, um, I'll give you an example that I had recently with a client, anytime that we have a struggle in our lives and we can't get clarity on it, we can start to understand why. And so I always tell people, the first thing I want you to do is look at your five or six sensitivities and see which one do you want to experience? Like which one are you really trying to experience here, but you can't? 
And then ask yourself, which one do you think is holding you back? Or which one are you afraid you're going to be hurt by? And now you have a resistance, right? You've got a power struggle. Because we don't want to be just one part of us. So if I want to feel, let's say, safe, and I think that abundant is counter to that, I'm going to be stuck in an emotional struggle here. And so an example I had with a client recently is he was talking about how he comes home from work, he looks at his phone, his husband's telling him about his day, and they get in a fight because he's looking at his phone. And this happens all the time. And it's a very classic problem that a lot of people have probably experienced. And so he said to me, what's going on there, Mike? Like, why can't I just show up and be present for my husband? I don't understand. I can't figure this out. And I said, okay. So I want you to tell me which of your sensitivities you or is getting you to look at your phone. What is making you look at your phone? He said, well, it's safe. I feel like I'm so overburdened by the end of my workday, I just want to be safe and scroll mindlessly for five minutes. It's my little disassociation that makes me feel safe. I said, okay. And which part of you is trying to connect with your husband that's not safe? The other four or five sensitivities. And he looked and he said, well, it's capable. I want to feel capable of connecting with my husband. I, I feel, I said, okay, you have a belief here that you can't be safe and capable at the same time with your husband. He said, you're right. I said, so tell me a story of another time in your life when you were safe and capable at the same time. And so he said, oh, well, you know, I'm remembering this time that my husband and I were renovating our home and we were doing all this stuff together. And one day I said, I've just got to stop. We're doing so much. And we just sat and ate pizza and laughed together. And I said, okay. I said, so what can this tell us about this moment? And so as we started unpacking it together, I said, and if you don't have the language, literally use these words. You can say to your husband, just like in that moment where you had to stop and eat pizza because you weren't safe to, con you didn't have the capacity to keep going. You need to stop and have some fun to build that capacity. That's what this feels like for you. So when you need to use these words with your husband, you could literally say to him, you know, listen, I really want to hear your story, but I don't have the capacity right now after a long day of work. So if it's okay, I just want to take five minutes to scroll my phone, create some safety for myself, and then be fully capable of listening to you and giving you the attention that you deserve. I said, would that change the fight? I said, oh yeah, that's, that's it. That's done. The fight is over. I said, right. Because the thing is, you're trying to fulfill a need and you have two competing needs happening right now. That's what's making you emotionally constipated, right? We have competing needs and so we can't figure out how we're supposed to show up in this moment because we think if we are fully giving him our attention and capacity, we're not safe. Or if we're fully safe, we're not giving him the attention and capacity. And we don't have the tools, the strategy in that moment or the container in that moment to truly express. And so what I love about this work is that the words themselves become containers. They become ways to start expressing what we need so that we can build new ways of relationships. Yes, absolutely. And, and something else that, that you said that's, that's I, I've, I've heard it said, um, I say it all the time, but also one of my favorite life coaches, Christine Hassler, talks about it. She talks about um, either competing desires or competing mm -hmm. intentions. And that whenever we have competing intentions, there's always one that is trying to create more safety for us, whereas the mm -hmm. other one is wanting to pull us into something that's growth. And mm -hmm. she said, unless we're aware of this struggle and why they're struggling, the one that's competing for safety will always win. Yeah, absolutely. And I can't tell you how often this has saved my butt when I couldn't take action or I wasn't feeling motivated or I couldn't figure out what we were stuck in the same loop or the same pattern. And I would just ask myself the same question as you, which one am I trying to move forward with or get this thing? And which one am I afraid or want to keep me here? And that very quickly told me where attention was. 
And then I could look at other areas in my life where I've actually been these things at the same time. And I could say, what's happening over there? I'll give you another example because I think this is another powerful one. Another recent client, she um, is an artist. She's a very successful artist. And she's being booked out. She does some wedding painting, um, I think now three years in advance. Like people are booking her before they even get engaged because she's so successful. And so she doesn't know what she wants to do with her life in three years. She does not want to be booking these weddings. But she's stuck in the cycle of always beating herself up and always struggling. So I said to her, okay, which of your sensitivities is the one that wants to book these weddings out? And she said, well, connected, right? Like, I want to connect with these people. It's the most special day. It feels so great. I want to help them get there. I said, okay, okay. And which of the sensitivities is not wanting this? And she said, easy. It's unboundaried. I hate feeling trapped and feeling stuck. And I said, okay. And this is a classic problem when you have connected and on boundaries. They seem like paradoxes, right? I said, so tell me a time in your life when you felt connected and unboundaried at the same time. And she said, oh, that's easy with my family. I feel free to be myself. I can set boundaries and do whatever I want. And I'm still get to connect. And even boundaries help me connect with them deeper. I said, ding, ding, ding. It's right in the word boundaried. You can set boundaries here and you can decide selectively. Some people I might say yes to, some people I might say no to, or I'm going to set a boundary and come back to me. I'll hold a spot in a year and then you can come to me. You get to plan whatever you want, but boundaries can actually create more connection. The paradox of our sensitivities is that when it seems like they're fighting or competing, they're actually teaching us a new, a new way, a new path, a new brilliance. And when we can see that paradox and work together, they actually harness one another's power and create more of one another. Yes, absolutely. I've, I've seen this happen in, in my life and in so many of my clients' lives where they have these competing desires, these competing intentions. And when they figure out how it's only from the current perspective that we're looking at them, that they seem like mm -hmm. they're competing with each other. But if we lean into them and figure out what each one is actually looking for and how we can make those desires work together, it's like... I don't know, a whole new world opens up to people and they, they start to find solutions for things that they couldn't find solutions for before and all new ways of doing everything around them. It's, it's really powerful stuff. And my favorite thing to do, because I'm all about mapping, right? I mean, we humans just have a treasure trove of data. We have a lifetime of data that if we can map it, it's kind of, you know, I'm not really big into, you know, big data stuff. But if we in ourselves can map what we already have inside, we have all the answers. What's reliable in the past is predictable in the future. And so what I often say is look at another time in your life, maybe a totally different context, where you were successfully those two things at the same time. What were you doing over there and how can you apply it here? Just like this person realized she sets boundaries with family. Oh my gosh, now she can do that in business. You know, so often I'm teaching a course on business coming up and so often we have trouble translating what's successful in one context into another context. Mm -hmm. And But the truth is all businesses, just like all relationships is, right? It's just about people. It's relating. It's understanding what we need, what we give, what we share. And if we can get that down and understand what makes us successful and fulfilled in any moment, we can translate that over to a different moment. And that's what I love about this work is, you know, if you are struggling in business, in sex, in confidence, in whatever, look at those sensitivities or those patterns in a different area of life, see what's making you successful there, and then just apply it. You might need to change it a little bit to change the context, but the underlying emotional pattern will help you because that's what makes you successful and fulfilled. Yes. Definitely. 
So um, going back to passion and purpose, um, I have another question for you and curious what your answer would be here for this. Why do you think it is that we, I say we as a society, I'm not talking about the whole world, obviously, but I know in the US and for predominantly here in Europe too, we seem to have come to this place where we are very passion driven and focused. What do you think, what do you think is the, the underlying, I guess, reason cause for why it is that we've become so focused on, on passion recently over purpose? Well, I think that we also have to contextualize first what we mean by passion insofar as just like we said before, purpose a lot of times we talk about as far as work, passion, same thing, right? I mean, I can be passionate about a million different things, but often we're talking about when we say passion, something that can get you paid or something that you're going to do and contribute to the world. And I think both of these are symptomatic of the same thing, which is we live in this world where we are conditioned to believe that we are not good enough and that we have to do and achieve more. And so, of course, we're going to care about the container. We don't think about the essence. It's like, can I have the bigger house and more Instagram followers? And because these are containers, right? And we think if we just get a big enough, right enough container, we're going to find the purpose inside. But I often, we're going to find the passion, the purpose, the everything inside. But I often say it's kind of like we are ransacking a temple, right? We are just searching for that passion, searching for that purpose, flipping couches, ripping things open. Where is it? because it was never built with that thing in mind. We didn't know what we were really trying to seek in the first place. And so I think that so much of our obsession with passion is just to say like, okay, I want something that, so we're first of all seeking passion to find purpose, which means we're seeking the container to find the essence, which is already a problem. And then we're probably doing it in a business or work context. And so we're trying to find work that we're passionate about to feel purposeful. So it's a very indirect route to understand ourselves and feel purposeful and feel like we matter in this world. And I want to live in a world where we feel so filled up with purpose that we can be purposeful in any moment. It's not just when we're contributing, it's when we're receiving, when we're healing, when we're hanging out with friends, when we are watching TV, when we are doing literally anything in life, we can feel super purposeful. And I think that this challenge we have of obsessing over passion is just indicative of our obsession of not feeling good enough, not feeling lit up by life, And then I'll add this one more thing in because I think this is interesting as well. We have this other phenomenon in our world today where we are inundated with stimuli, right? I think I read something that we have like 25 times the amount of stimuli on a daily basis than we did in 1985. Mm -hmm. So it is just amazing how the internet, lights, magazines, you know, news, like Times Square, like it is just inundating us at all the time. And we're trying to process all this data and all this information and we are burning out. And so what are we doing to process all these feelings and all the stimuli? We are numbing, whether it's disassociation through drugs and opioids, which we've certainly seen a rise in that, or alcohol, whether it's you know Netflix or video games, and none of these things inherently are wrong or bad. Remember, I don't judge strategies, but we're doing it because we want to numb out. So now we're numbing out a lot. We want to feel excitement again. And so we want to feel this idea of passion. And so there's this unique tension of not feeling good enough, of being overly stimulated and numbing out, and then wanting something that's going to light us up, but more specifically, light us up and validate us in society. And I think that unique combination brings us to 
passion when in actuality, what we're really looking for is a deeper self-worth that comes from purpose. Yes, 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 yes. If you guys didn't hear that, rewind and listen to it again, because I think this is such an important concept to understand. Um, and like you said, I think with social media, we are we are constantly being inundated with these you know, videos and, and images of, you know, people having quote unquote successful lives and, um, you know, finding what they're passionate about and living it and being happy. And um, I, I feel like this because also, and I, I talked about this in an episode not too long ago where I talked about FOMO. People feel like other people are enjoying life more than them and that these people have something in their life that allows them to be able to enjoy life more than them. Mm -hmm. And so we go about looking for those containers that these other people have in their life. Mm -hmm. And we, we feel this, this passion inside of us light up when we see them because the, per the, the, the containers actually reminding us of our path of our purpose of what it is that we're actually here to do, but we're looking past that and looking at mm -hmm. the container because we're so obsessed with the outward expression of it that we miss what it is that's actually exciting us when we see this person and what's exciting us it's not the container but we look right at the container and we're trying to find the purpose in the container well and absolutely you know containers are tangible they're visible the deeper emotional experience isn't so we don't have a way to conceptualize or understand what that person's experiencing but everybody listening tell me have you ever had something that was hugely successful or public and it not been the most fulfilled you've ever been? Because I have, I can tell you right now, Saturday on the couch with my family, more fulfilling than my book launch party, right? Like, they, you know, we have this idea that these containers are going to be the most fulfilling and we deprive ourselves of the power. We're putting all the power into the container and forgetting that we are the power. We're the ones who give meaning. And furthermore, I think this is a really important point to bring up in this conversation is can you feel purposeful? and not passionate? Of course you can. And the moments that are actually deeply dissatisfying or challenging, you can still feel purposeful. And that's a really important point that we need to make today because especially right now during this global pandemic, there's been a lot of research done into what really gives people the most meaningful life. And what we found is that the most resilient people are not people who are always happy and passionate all the time at all. There are people who can find meaning or purpose in any moment. Mm -hmm. And that makes sense, right? Life is not one big party where we are always passionate. We will all be having moments of our life where we just aren't passionate. But can we still be purposeful? And what that means is we're really in touch with that deeper essence, the water inside, and it doesn't matter what container it is. Yes. Yes. This is like the difference between experiencing enjoyment, happiness versus when you understand where joy comes from mm -hmm. and you can generate that it's not something that is dependent on the, the circumstance around you right. and well, it's that, unconditional like, exactly and so this is yeah this is what i think you're talking about here when we can we can feel purposeful in those moments when we're doing things that we don't necessarily enjoy you know they're not fun for us but because we know the purpose behind it what it is that we're truly after, we can still be present in that process and feel the joy, feel the purpose, feel the fulfillment of being in that moment, even if it's not something that in the moment we are necessarily feeling 
like doing. Absolutely. I mean, we humans, the biggest myth out there is that we are illogical and irrational. And that couldn't be further from the truth. There, we are very, very logical creatures. Now, we may not always know the reason we're doing something, and so we call it illogical. But believe me, there is a reason or a purpose behind everything we do. If we don't think that this could be a pathway to get something we want to feel we're not going to do it. And that may not always be a healthy relationship, right? I mean, we might want to feel validated, so we post a thirst trap on Instagram. It's not my place to judge whether that's healthy or unhealthy, productive, not productive, but there's a reason we're doing everything that we're doing. And for me, the greatest gift we can have as human beings is to understand why, understand the purpose behind that, because that gives us empowerment. You know, I've done a lot of things. I've had a lot of compulsions, whether it's eating sugar or, you know, mindlessly scrolling Instagram or watching Netflix. I've done a lot of things that I've shamed myself for, right? I've beat myself up. I've told myself to do differently, be better. And I am a great shamer, I will be honest with you. But shame, no matter how hard I try, has never, ever, ever been an effective tool for behavior change. No mm. matter how hard I shame myself, the behavior just doesn't change. Or if I change again. it... One more time. Pretty similar behavior. Say that, what, say right. that one more time. Shame yes. <laughs> ne- Shame has never been an effective tool for behavior change, right? We try. We all try so hard to shame ourselves into changing our behavior, and it's really not that effective. Do you want to know what is effective? Understanding. When we understand why we're doing something, we're really good at changing the behavior because we understand the underlying purpose. And we realize the container or the strategy might not be our favorite one to get there. So let's understand the purpose and design a better strategy to get there. But if you are doing anything, if you are compulsively eating something, if you are having, you know, random sex with people you don't want to, if you are whatever it is that you are doing out there, there's a reason or a purpose. And that far surpasses passion. So if we can understand that reason or purpose, we can make a change. And that's really what purpose is all about. Yes. Absolutely. So um, final question for you, because I know we're getting close to our our time here and you've probably got some packing and stuff to do to get ready for a vacation here. So what would you say to someone who has been following their passions in life and they've, you know, they've been through the the same gamut you and I have been through where we Mm -hmm. follow a passion. We think, oh, this is it. This is it. And then we get into it and we're like, where, 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 that's not Mm -hmm. it. And so they've done this so many times, so many times. And they've gotten to the point in their life where they're starting to believe that maybe they don't have a purpose. Mm-hmm. What would you say to someone who who is believing this about themselves? I first of all want to normalize it because I think all of us have been there. And this is, you know, a function again of this obsession with passion and productivity and achieving to be good enough and achieving your purpose, right? So first of all, I just want to say that it's expected, honestly, in our world today. I have been there. And what it feels like for me, just to validate whoever's feeling this for a moment, is it feels like a lot of starting and stopping and hope and disappointment, right? This kind of like, oh my God, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. I'm a screw up. This isn't working for me. No, no, no. But this thing, this thing. And so there's a lot of, you know, whether we are hiring the next coach or person because we're addicted to this cycle, whether we are buying the new self-help books, whether we're trying the new certification, there's this constant hope and disappointment cycle, the start-stop cycle. And all of that, even the downsides or the challenging parts of it, 
has purpose. We can understand why we are caught in that cycle. And I think that to me is what's most exciting about purpose work or my specific way of doing it, which is sensitivity work, understanding what I'm sensitive to, so why I feel the way I do. You know, I tell people all the time, I can't tell you why certain things happen to you. I can't do that. I wish I could. I don't have that ability. But I can tell you why you experienced what you did. And there's a difference because my job is to know what you're sensitive to. So why did you have those feelings or experiences based on the stimuli or the circumstances that came in? And that's really what I'm interested in is uh, we can start to explore, oh, this whole time I was seeking validation or connected or free or successful or whatever it was. And that's why I went to that and it worked for a little while. But now I see where it fell off because it didn't fulfill me the whole way. And so I want to validate you that you're not wrong. You're not effed up. You are right. And my first advice to you is to start to map some of those moments and look for that deeper why. Because when you understand that deeper why, it's going to explain way more than your passions. And it's going to help you to navigate those passions the next time. Yes. So if I understand you correctly, then what you're saying is that every single time a person follows one of their passions and then they recognize okay, this container doesn't work because of maybe one or two of their sensitivities is not fitting well into this container. And so they try the next container and they try the next container that every single time we go through this process, there is purpose in having gone through those processes and trying those different containers and figuring out how they fit us and how they didn't fit us and what therefore we want in what we're looking for next. Sure, but e even more than that, so yes, absolutely, and even more than that, we can also be even more predictive about it. We can guess, hey, that container won't be as good because I know now what I need to feel underneath. And so I, my goal in life is to save people as much time and money as possible. And so, you know, we only have a limited amount of time here on Earth. That's not to say that we need to shame or blame ourselves for, you know, being on our path because all of it has purpose, it has meaning, it has teaching and I mean we can get more esoteric today and talk about the power of working through the shadow sides of things because believe me you know I can't help people in the deepest darkest depths survive and bend places myself so there's a lot of power in a lot of these things but what I want to say is that when you understand why you feel the way you do why that didn't work out for you it helps you analyze the moment rather than saying ugh that container didn't work, I screwed up, let me start over. No, 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 you're not starting over because the container never had all the power. You did. It just couldn't hold all of you. If I've got a big pot of water and I you know, try to pour it into a little cup and it spills all over the floor, I don't shame that water for being too much. I find the right container. If the container isn't working for me, I don't shame myself. I say, oh, I get why. I see what wasn't working here. It wasn't empowered enough, to use one of your words. And then I go find a container that was more empowered. And so our job in life isn't just starting over and blindlessly hoping this container is going to work because we feel passionate about it. It's to start to be a little bit predictive and say, oh, I know what I need to feel. Now let me go find containers that are going to make me feel that. And if a relationship or a job isn't making me feel that, what tweaks can I make to make it host me a little bit better? Yes. Awesome. All right. So we've, uh, I've taken up an hour of your time here. I really appreciate you coming on here and talking about this. I hope that everyone listening in today has, has understood what exactly it is that, that Mike is trying to get across here. What I, the message that I wanted you all to hear is that, you know, passion is a beautiful thing. 
It's not that having passion is wrong or that we don't want to look in the direction of passion. But the reason we're looking in the direction of our passions is because our purpose is driving us. And that the ultimate reason here for, for even looking in the direction of passion is because our purpose is trying to say, here, you're here for this. And this is one way to express it. And uh, Mike, do you have any closing thoughts for us before we go? I thought that, that was really beautiful. You know, passions are born from purpose. Passions have a purpose behind them. And when we understand that, life is so much richer because it's bigger than just passions. It's purpose in what we're excited about, what traumatized us, what feels good, what feels bad, what feels fun, where we're successful, where we haven't been successful. Everything has purpose. Our life is so much richer and so much bigger than our passions. And when things aren't working out, we can understand why. And that's true empowerment. And what I want everyone to walk away from today is knowing who you are so that you can be empowered and have agency in every single moment. Awesome. Thank you. Do you want to tell everyone where they can get in touch with you if they were interested in finding out more about your work and getting in, in contact with you? Of course. So if you do want to do that quick, free, you know, five minute mapping to begin to know some of your sensitivities, you can just go to mikeimle.com slash map, M-A-P. There's a worksheet and a training video for free there. So go check it out um, and you'll get some emails. You can always email me at mike at mikeimle.com if you ever want to work together. I do a full mapping. It takes me about two and a half hours to map someone's full life and sensitivities and tell them why about any situation in your life. And if you follow me on Instagram, just at Mike Iamelli, I'm always playing around a little bit and I've um, been running a few group programs through there. Awesome. I'm going to uh, actually link these links in the show notes. So if you didn't catch those, um, just take a look in the show notes and I'll have Mike's information there so that you can reach out to him, look up his stuff, see the work he's doing, get in contact. Um, so thank you all so much for listening in today. Uh, this is episode number 50 for me. So this is a really big episode and uh, really glad that I could bring Mike on here to talk about this super, super important topic for the 50th episode of the Connect Your Health to Life Coaching Podcast. So thank you, Mike. Thank you everyone for listening in and um, I'll talk to you all next week. Ciao. Hey, thank you for listening in this week. I hope you enjoyed the content of this episode. If you did, please subscribe or follow this podcast to receive the newest episodes every week as I bring them to you here on the Connect Your Health to Life coaching channel. Ratings, reviews, and comments are always appreciated. These allow me to know more of what my listeners would like in the podcast and allow for more people who may be searching for a podcast just like this one to find the Connect Your Health to Life coaching channel. If you would like more information about me and the work that I do with my clients one-on-one, -on -one, then please visit my website at www.slch.ch. Again, that is www.slch.ch. You can also find me on social media on Instagram at SethLusk underscore coaching. Again, that is SethLusk underscore coaching. And on Facebook in my free Facebook group community called A Healthy Life Connection. We would love to have you in the group, and it's only three membership questions that you have to answer to join. And again, it's entirely free. And if you need any further information or just want to say hello, feel free to send me an email directly at slusk.health at slch.ch. Again, that is slusk.health 
health at slch.ch. Thank you again so much for listening, and I look forward to our next time together. Ciao. Thank you.